morning, everybody. It's good to greet you once again on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, I always like the opening because I feel like I'm talking to people not just across the United States of America, but around the world. And I think whether you live in the United States or you live in another country, we can all agree that, that this is the day <laughs> that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it, right? So let's talk about some things today that we can be glad about and that we can rejoice about. Uh, I think we're far enough along in our spiritual development here at the Digital Cathedral <clears throat> that I can get into something today that may uh, mess with you a little bit, may shake your world, may rock your theology, but I think that's good. We're at a point in our growth where we need to talk about something. So if you'll just pull up a chair, get your coffee hot, I want to talk to you about the big shift, the big shift. And what I'm really talking about is moving from God's uh, acts to God's ways, moving from God's acts to God's ways. This is a huge shift. And as I get into this, I think you're going to understand and you're going to recognize that for a, a major part of our life, and maybe even some of our thinking now, we're still looking for God's acts rather than learning his ways. Now, I want to read a verse of scripture from Psalm 103 and verse 7. <clears throat> then we're going to get into some of this. So I want to encourage you to stay with me for the whole teaching this morning. If you have to check out, uh, notice time-wise where you're at so that you can come back and pick up the rest of the, of the teaching. Better yet, just listen to the whole thing from the start to the finish again. You, these teachings that I do, they're not for lightweights. <laughs> they're not for people that are just coming into some understanding about God. I'm taking you guys past where most people are sitting in a church today. They're not going to hear what I'm teaching to you. But I think you're at a place in your development where, again, I think we need to talk about a big shift. Psalm 103 verse 7 says this. He made known, he, capital H, God, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Let me just say that again. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. There's a tremendous difference between knowing the acts of God and the ways of God. Uh, the writer of Psalms, David, said that he made known his acts to the children of Israel. Now, the acts of God are those sovereign things that God does just because of his grace and his goodness to us. They just kind of come out of left field. We, it's, the, it's the signs, the wonders, the miracles, uh, the moves of God, the showstoppers, the crowd gatherers, uh, the acts of delivering from the children, the children of Israel from Egypt. That was an act of God. Parting the Red Sea, that was an act of God. Uh, the day of Pentecost, that was an act of God. Acts are usually a one-time happening that meets a need or a situation that has arisen. And that's what the children of Israel got to expect. They got to expect God to act, to do for them whatever it was that they needed to have done. Now, the, the, the first part of that seventh verse of Psalm 103 says that he made known his ways to Moses. Now, think about the ways. The ways of God are known not just by a sovereign move of God, a, a miracle, a sign, a wonder. The ways of God are hammered out as you enter into that secret place with him, as you spend time alone with him, as, as he builds into you kingdom awareness, as he builds into you kingdom principles, 
as he helps you to understand his ways of actually possessing the land, the ways to eternal supply, the, the things that we've talked about in creation over the last weeks and the I amness. Those are all the ways of God. Those, those are the, 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 the trails that he cuts to where you don't have to depend on an act. See, when you, when you have to depend on an act of God, as most of us have for all of our Christian life, then you're always asking God for something. You're always pushing into God. You, you're, you're always on the perimeter. You're wanting God to come from where he is to where you are to meet an, a need. I might say it like this. The acts of God are a microwave. They're just instant. They're quick. They're happening. And God just decides that he's going to do something. The ways of God, and here's my one of my pet phrases, the ways of God are more of a crock pot. It takes time. It, it, they have to simmer. They have to cook slowly. I'm, I hope I don't offend you when I say this, but the acts of God are for those that have not yet matured in his ways. The ways of God says that he has done all he's going to do. He's completed it. It's finished. The ways of God says he's done everything that he's going to do. Now, we begin to learn everything that he has done. We begin to awaken to all that he has done as we spend time with him. I'm real big on just quiet time. I'm, you know, I'm, you don't have to read the Bible every day, but I would just encourage you to take some time every day when you're just silent, when you're just quiet, when you open your consciousness to him. There's not certain times that God's closer to you than other times. You, you and he are inseparable. You are in union together. What makes God seem close sometimes is our openness of consciousness to the presence that is always there. There's a little book that was written by a man named Brother Lawrence, and he set out to, to establish the conscious presence of God 24-7. And it's an interesting book, fascinating book. On, on the trail that he that he uh, went into to develop an awareness of God on a perpetual basis. I'm not going to get into that, but I but what I want you to see is that the way of God teaches you how to fish. The acts of God, because of his goodness and his mercy and his love to us, just gives us a fish. So as we mature, as we're learning at the digital cathedral how to operate as a creator, how to walk as a manifested son of God, we're learning the, the depths of his goodness to us. He's beginning to talk to us about moving out of a dependency on his acts all of the time to rescue us. You know, I still get messages every week. We're, please pray for this or pray for that. God, we're waiting. We need God to act on this. Well, when you really are desperate for something, it's a little bit late to show up for the party to ask God to do something. Now, we still do that and understand that. And I'm not I'm saying don't do that. What I'm saying is there is a depth of maturity that comes as you progress in this journey where you begin to learn his ways and you begin to produce for yourself in cooperation with him the thing that you need. In fact, God spoke a word to me this week and I haven't developed it much in my in my uh, consciousness, but I'll just share it with you. Um. I feel like God said that every promise that he has made, we know the scripture says that all the promises in him are yea and amen, yes and amen, done, established. And I felt like he was telling me that we wait for him to, to fulfill a promise to us or we stand on the promises. 
when in fact the promises are an indication of what he has already created for us on our behalf. And he's waiting for us now to, to have a desire to develop imagination, to uh, drop it into our heart and grow in its fullness and begin to speak and create it for ourselves. In other words, his promises are those things that he has tipped his hand to us about and has said to us, this is already my will for you. This is my plan for you. Now, if you want to cooperate and you want to enter into this and learn my ways, you can produce everything that my promises have said that you can produce. Therefore, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to stand on it. You don't have to beg and plead and wonder about it. You and he together can make every promise that he has said. His promises are his ways. They're not his acts. His promises, I'm telling you, when, it, when a depth of understanding comes, you begin to see that his ways are revealed through his promises. So God today is transitioning a people. He's transitioning you and he's transitioning me. And this is where the shift is coming. He's transitioning people that understand the depth of grace. And I think that's you here at the Digital Cathedral. You understand the inclusiveness of the finished work. You've come to a place where you're not seeing insiders, outsiders. There's no more religious hoops to jump for you. You're beginning to see that God's unconditional love has no condition that all of us are included. And he's taking those of us that have entered into that deeper understanding of grace. And this is a journey. And looking back on it, you can see how it has progressed. When grace first began to break into our consciousness, it was like, oh my gosh, I've become a heretic. And people were quick to tell you you're a heretic. God's not that good. You can't make him that good, right? You have to do something. You have to believe, you have to have faith. So we, we've come through some of that. So he's, he's transitioning those of us that have this depth of understanding of grace and the inclusiveness of the finished work of the cross. And he's bringing us into a deeper, heavier, more secure revelation, listen, of his ways. We're now uncovering the ways of God. And as we uncover the ways of God, we're learning how to fish. We're not depending on him to give us a fish. So we used to depend on God to give us the fish, beg, plead, get the prayer group together, do whatever we had to do, bombard heaven because we need a fish. No, he's saying, I'm going to teach you how to fish. Isn't that what he did with, with uh, Peter when he said, you launch out into the deep, you cast your net into the water. And when Peter did, he and Jesus co-created a, a, a catch that he had to call his partners over to help him haul in. It's a tough, tough transition. I, that's why I said this is a big shift, and shift happens. You've probably learned that by now, that if you're, you're going to stay attuned to present truth and where God's taking us, then shift happens. And it's a tough transition for many because our spiritual roots, most of us, came out of some type of charismatic church or Pentecostalism where we, we were taught by actions to pursue the acts of God by doing certain things to move the hand of God to provide for us. And so now he's bringing us into a place where he's saying, I'm not, you can't move my hand. And we learned that because prayer was not that effective. And I think the whole time God was trying to say, I'm trying to break through with something better for you. I'm trying to break through for something bigger for you. But as long as you're going to be dependent on my acts, I'm not, I'm not a genie in a bottle. I'm not a I'm not a slot machine. You put the quarter in, pull the handle, and hope you hit the jackpot. That's not what he's ultimately after. He's ultimately after us learning his ways. So he's pulling us. He's inviting us into the Holy of Holies. 
He's he's speaking to us in that in that in that voice within. And he's showing us the heart of the Father. And he's saying to us, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the path. I want you to adopt this way. This is how I want you to live. And he's showing us his ways. All right. Now, Jesus Jesus lived in this. Jesus lived in this. The more I study the life of Jesus, the more I see the, the man was a creator. We call them miracles. He, he, but to him, it was a creative process because he was tapped in. He was tuned in to the ways of God. You don't find Jesus praying that God act for him on his behalf, ever. He didn't ask God to come do something for him. He and the Father were one. You and the Father are one. And Jesus learned that it was the Father in him that did the works. It's the Father in you that has made the promise. It is the Father in you that has revealed the way. Now, it, it's becoming apparent to us by revelation, and as we become stabilized in this grace walk, that we can learn his ways and we can produce from the invisible to the visible, from the unseen to the seen, from the kingdom that is within us, we can pull out of it and produce in the visible what it is we need. Now, Jesus learned this, this truth of, of communion, of learning the ways of the Father. I want to read a couple of verses to you from John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and I want to read verses 32, 33, and 34 out of John chapter 4. Can I do that? All right, I bet I can. John chapter 4 and verse 32 says this. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. See, the food that Jesus was going to eat was a spiritual food. It was a, it was a, it was a food of learning the way of God. It wasn't the food of depending on the acts of God. And he says in verse 33, therefore the disciples said to one another, has, has anybody brought Jesus something to eat? Has anybody ran down, got him a Big Mac and fries? They, they had no clue what Jesus was talking about. How frustrating it must have been for Jesus, time after time, laying heavy truth on them, saying, guys, I've got a way to live. I've got a path to pursue that you don't know anything about. I've got food to eat. And he just used a metaphor. He said, I've got food to eat. You don't know anything about. And then in verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus fulfill the entire will and the plan of the Father? His food was the communion. His food was learning the way of the Father in every circumstance. He went into with the Father, and it was a realization of the oneness that he had with the Father. When Jesus withdrew himself and went apart by himself, he wasn't begging and pleading God to come do something. He was learning what the way of the Father was for the particular situation that he faced. And I'm trying to get across to you today that with every circumstance, with every dilemma, with every need that you have, there is a way for you to walk in that will bring to you the desired result without trying to without trying to coerce or twist God's arm to come act on your behalf. Come on now, we're sons. We're coming into maturity. We're, we're, we're living in a place we've never lived before. So if we're gonna live this Christ is us life, if we're gonna manifest as sons of God and learn to live out of his ways and not just his acts, if we're going to learn to tap into this never-ending supply of the kingdom, now don't lose me now, stay with me. If we're going to learn to tap into this never-ending supply of the kingdom, tap resources that have no end, 
then we're going to have to renew our mind to the fact that God and God alone is the law of our being. What do I mean by that? I mean that there's no power but him for you. There's no lesser power. There's no trying to get a greater power to come into your life and defeat a lesser power. There's no trying to get a big God to come and defeat this, this adversarial force that's trying to reckon itself as a destroyer of you. You have got to come to a place where we renew our mind to understand there's no power but one. There's only one power. There's one mind, one will, one spirit, and it all resides within you. You're totally in touch with it. Sometimes you're more aware of it because your consciousness is more open. I, I, I had a, a man this week tell me that he was watching, a, 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 he was listening to a message and, and the presence of God was so strong. Do you know why the presence of God was so strong? That message just opened his consciousness to the presence that was always there. You, can, you can't increase the presence of God. Nothing can separate you from God. Nothing. He's always there. He's closer than your next breath. So he's teaching us now to tap in to that way that comes with his presence at all times. Christ is our life. Christ is our life. And of ourselves, we can do zero, but we're not doing stuff on our own. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why, why Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. This Christ who lives in you is not looking to show up to do miraculous acts for you. He's looking to demonstrate himself as you. You are the word made flesh on this planet today. You are the full representation of the Father. He's, he's, he's nurturing us to where there's coming a time, and I'm telling you the time is here, when people are going to begin to look at you, and in so many words, they might not say it exactly, but they're going to say, in seeing you, I see what I want. In effect, they're saying, I've seen you, I've seen the Father. He's purifying us to where they're, they're not going to say, I've seen you, I've seen the Baptist. I've seen you, I've seen the Episcopalians or the Charismatics. People are going to know that there's something different going on in your life because you and the Father in communion, you and the Father as one are beginning to come down this path, come down this trail where you're learning to live out of his ways and you're no longer dependent on these miraculous acts. People, I'm telling you, Digital Cathedral, I'm telling you, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. In 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us these things are all in part. But when that which is perfect has come and love is perfect, everything we're talking about, every, every, every way of the Father comes out of love. And Paul said when love is, is full, when it's manifested entirely, then those things that are in part will be done away. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not a prophet. Uh, but I'm telling you, I know what's coming. We're going to have to stop depending on the miraculous and begin to learn to walk in his ways. All right. So here's what I'm encouraging. With all of we're learning, I'm encouraging you to wait on that voice inside. Jesus was the word that the Father sent. You are the word that has been made flesh that the Father has sent. And when the Father looked at Jesus he said, I think it's Isaiah 55, 11. I could be wrong on that. But in Isaiah 55, I think it's 11. It says that when God sends his word, it totally accomplishes and fulfills everything that it was sent to do. Jesus, he's not talking about the Bible. 
Jesus was the word that the Father sent, and Jesus accomplished everything that he was sent to do by learning the ways of God. You are the one that he has sent into the world. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to accomplish everything in this life that the Father has intended for you to accomplish. Don't judge yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Enjoy your life. Live your life. And know that the Father is going to accomplish. He's going to show his ways to you, and you're going to walk fully in his ways. Some way, see, some way that voice is going to empower you and help you to trust that invisible supply. At some point, you have to trust what's going on inside of you. I'm not going to beat around the bush. At some point, you're going to have to trust this is what God's saying. Well, what if I miss it? What, what if I make an error? doesn't matter. He has the power and the ability to bring you back around to where you need to be and hook you back up to that spiritual supply in the invisible that it may, may be made visible. He's teaching us his ways. I'm going to emphasize that and emphasize it and emphasize it. See, a natural man, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 says, a natural man can't have any idea of all this that's going on because everything that he, he learns comes from natural means. This is foolishness to him. I don't think I'm talking to people today that think this is foolish. I think this is what God is revealing to you. And so as I'm speaking to you today, I think it's resonating. It's resonating. I, I, wanna, I wanna walk in his ways. I don't want him to give me the fish. I want him to teach me how to fish, don't you? So we've got to listen. We have to listen long enough for him to speak to us. Then what he utters to us, we take that as our thought and we build our imagination on it. We let our heart overflow with it and we begin to speak it out our mouth. And I'm gonna tell you something, the word that he speaks to you, it will not return void. The word that he speaks to you, that you accept as your thought and come through as we've talked about, the creative process, you create within yourself. Everything, your part of creation is inward. You create it within. It's his job to bring it in the visible. Your job is to take the promise, take the word, and, and to dwell on it. Learn his way. Learn, learn the things I'm teaching you so that you might fully express it. Now, the, we, we've come through a lot of acts of God. We've seen some miraculous things. God has done some gracious things for us. And I think that the acts fuel within us an interest and a desire to learn the ways. Now, with the ways of God, there's no formulas. There's no steps one, two, three. It's just him speaking to you and showing us how that we can live out this life with the ability to supply what it is that we need ourselves. Let me read a couple of verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter four, big shift today going on you guys. I'm challenging you with some things that are pretty strong and pretty heavy. Proverbs chapter four. I think we might've read this a few weeks ago when we were coming through this, the, the creative process. I, I read one of the verses, but not as many as I'm gonna read today. I'm gonna pick it up in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. Now listen to this, Proverbs four, verse 20. He said, my son, give attention to my words. That means, that means um, give them priority. Give attention to the words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Get focused. Get a, get, where, where your, where your uh, focus is, that's where your energy flows. Whatever you focus on, energy's gonna follow. So in this very first verse, he's saying, I want you to get focused because your energy needs to flow what I'm gonna tell you to do. He said, don't let these words, don't let this stuff depart from before your eyes. Imagine it. See, 
before your eyes. You need to see it. Visualize it. Don't let it depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So it comes from your eyes. Your imagination comes down in, into your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all your flesh. He's telling you the way that you can live the life that you want to live is to give attention to his words. He's not going to give you to fish. He said, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Otherwise, you get the thought, you focus in on it. Don't let them depart before, before your eyes. Imagine it. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Let it grow. For they are life to those that find them and health to all your flesh. You want to be healthy? He's telling you the path to healthy healthiness. He's telling you this is the way. This is the way. You shouldn't have to pray to God to heal your body. You should, you should be listening to him and developing a way of wellness. And he says in verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the forces, the limitations, the, 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 comes the very life itself, the Zoe, the life of God comes out of, out of your heart, not scripture. He's not talking about scripture here. He's talking about the word that he speaks to you. The word that he speaks to you, their spirit, their life, they, they quicken us from within. The words that he speaks to you are words that will not return void. When he speaks a word to you, and you do what he said here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 23, you keep it before your eyes, you keep it in your ears, you think it, you, 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 you imagine it, you let it drop. The things we've talked about. And if you're new to the Digital Cathedral, go back to about May and start listening and catch up with us because, brother, we're on, a, we're on a journey. We're on a trail that's leading us to some things that are mind-boggling, mind-boggling. And I'm just standing back in awe. I'm learning more of his ways than I've ever learned before. All right, let me flesh this out. I want to look at Abraham this morning. And I want to look at Abraham from, from two different ways. I want to look at Abraham from the account in Genesis. And I want to look at Paul's take on Abraham from Romans. And what we're going to find, and I'm going to run through a little bit of Genesis here. What we're going to find, the Genesis account seems to make uh, Abraham dependent on God's acts. Okay? When we get to Romans, the new covenant, Paul takes a little bit different look at Abraham and makes Abraham... Uh, learning God's ways. So I'm just, let me just contrast these two for you a little bit so that I hope you can see the difference in the two and that you don't resist when God doesn't give you everything that you're trying to ask him to do. You know, your, your mom and dad didn't give you everything that you asked for, every Christmas gift, every birthday. You, you could ask them for something. Sometimes they said no. So we, what we did is we developed a theology around that. We said, well, when you pray, sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says, well, just wait. I'm not saying no, just wait. So we developed our little prayer theology around that. And I'm saying there's a better way than that. That was depending on his acts. I'm saying there's a better way than that. I'm saying that his desires become your desires. And you're not asking from a selfishness. You're not asking from a selfish heart. You're learning his ways to produce the abundant life that Jesus said that you could have. All right, let's, let's come over to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. Now again, Genesis, in, in, the, in the, the writer of Genesis, which is Moses, evidently, uh, at least that's what we're told, in Genesis, it takes a look at Abraham from uh, the perspective of Abraham being very dependent on the works of God. 
Now we're going to go over in, Gen in Romans chapter 4 and look at Paul's take where he makes the slant more that um, he learned his ways, God's ways. And like I said just a minute ago, I think oftentimes the acts of God learn to lead us to his ways. We, we, we begin to understand through the acts of God, wait a minute, there's, there's, God's taking me somewhere here. He's taking me to the ways. Now, if you never hear about it, if you, just, if you sit in a charismatic church that's always looking for the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, you're never going to hear any teaching about the ways of God. You're always going to be hearing about the acts. We need the power of God to return. We need the acts of God to return. Where are the miracles today? I'm telling you where they're at. They're diminishing because those that are mature and understand the things that God is doing today are being led into the ways of God. All right now, let me just read these first four verses from Genesis chapter 12, understanding that the Genesis writer uh, emphasizes the acts of God in the, in the life of Abraham. Here it is. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Pretty plain instructions. This is an act of God. God sovereignly does this. He picks Abraham for whatever reason. His grace is just bestowed on Abraham. So this is an act of God. God, God comes by himself without instruction, without anybody praying or begging. God just does this. And he says, get out of your country, from your family. He got it and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you. And he said, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. So now he begins to build his imagination. I'll bless you, make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you, I'll curse those that curse you. And in you, all the nations, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse four says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, maybe, and Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from here. Now, God speaks to Abraham. Again, that's just an act of God. God just did it on his own. And Abraham responds to this. Now, what he told Abraham, I would imagine what he told Abraham blew his mind. Because here it is, he's 75 years old. All of a sudden, he's going to make this, this gigantic turn in his life. God speaks to him as an act, and he tells him what he needs to do. Um, and again, there comes a time that you have to trust that voice that is inside. And Abraham was trusting that voice that he heard inside to lead him in action, to, to display the acts of God. Now, did Abraham do perfectly what God told him to do? Absolutely not. I'm going to give you four, four instances of where God acted, but Abraham didn't respond properly. The first one is in verse 4. He took Lot with him. And the instruction was clear in those first couple of verses that God, when he acted, he told Abraham, don't take family, get away from your family, get away from your country, get away from your father's house. So he acted, but Abraham did not respond to the act. Now, we often get a prompting. Here's what's happened so many times in our life. We get a prompting, a gut feeling, a leading, um, and here's where we miss it. We miss it the same place Abraham did. We take the act of God, and we run over to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to work it out by what looks good. And this is, what's, this is why the acts of God become very disappointing. We blend it. We blend it with our thoughts. We blend it with what seems good to us with the act of God, and it gets us into a mess. Now, you don't encounter that with the ways of God. The ways of God take you to the tree of life because you're listening to a voice 
You're, you're not adding anything to it. So he runs over to the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, man, I got to work this out. Let me think about this. Think, think about Lot. He's, he's thinking about Lot. He says, Lot depends on me. I'm, I'm sure this ran through the mind of Abraham. Lot depends on me. He's, I leave Lot here. He's not going to make it on his own. Without me, he's not, it's not going to happen. I can't, just, I can't just abandon Lot. I can't leave him on his own. I've got to take care of him. And I'm sure God's going to understand that that's only reasonable that I take care of my nephew Lot. I mean, he's my brother's boy or my sister's boy. I'm not sure which. Doesn't matter. But he said he reasoned this out, and that's not what God told me to do. So whenever God, whenever God acts, whenever God sovereignly moves, and you take it to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to work it out, whatever lot that you take with you is going to be the thing that comes and bites your butt. That's as plain as I can tell you. It's going to come back and bite your butt. And it did Abraham. <clears throat> now, when it comes back and gets us, we blame God for it. We say, God, I tried to do what you told me to do. Because see, we haven't learned the ways of God. We've just we've, we've honed in on the action, the act. He's given us a fish. And he said, I want you to eat the whole fish. Well, that doesn't seem reasonable. I'm going to cut part of it off from my, from my brother and part of it off from my sister and my neighbor needs some. It's not what he told you to do. But we, we take the act and we run it to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we begin to dilute and pervert, pervert the act that God did. That's why, that's why the ways of God are for the mature. You're going to have to come through this thing of acts. You at the Digital Cathedral, I think the time has come that we just need to say we're not depending on the acts of God anymore. We're learning his ways. All right now, here's the second thing. Let's come down, same chapter. Let's come down to verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, this is just a pure act. To your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord and who had appeared to him. All right. So God says, this is the land right here. I want you to hone in. I want you to, to stay right here. So here's what happens. Verse 10, there was a famine in the land that God gave Abraham. And Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. Doesn't that just make good sense? I mean, it makes good, good sense, right? God gives you a land. God gives you a job to do. But when it, when it gets a little, when the going gets a little bit tough, where do we run? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil again. It was an act of God. See, the acts don't build maturity. That's what I'm trying to say. We've depended on the acts, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the one-time happenings, but it has not built a mature people. It has not built a mature people in any way, shape, or form. So he goes down to what seems to make good sense, and there's a famine in the land. And whenever you go to Egypt, I'm going to tell you, when you go to Egypt, they're always going to exact a pound of flesh. So the whole thing messes up. So here's the third thing that happens. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, indeed, I know you're a beautiful woman. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is my wife, and they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Please say that you're my sister, that it may be well with you, well for, with me for your sake. So again, he's taking this thing. See, once you start down this path, going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you've taken the act of God, there's no maturity, you don't know the ways. This whole thing gets messed up. And that's what happens in, in so many people's lives today. Good people, people that love Jesus. But because we've been so dependent on the acts, 
And then we take the act and we take it to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we try to work the act out ourselves. That's why he's moving us past the acts. Do, do you understand it? Can you see that? So here, but God's grace comes in in verses 16, 19, and 20. And I got to hurry along because I'm never going to get this thing done. The grace of God comes in and speaks to the king. And the king comes and says, why did you tell me it's your sister when it's really your wife? And so he lets him go, lets him take everything that he had. Now, I do want to read chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, because again, this is just the act of God. And this is the Genesis account. It moves in on the act of God, the acts of God <clears throat> that worked in the life of Moses. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. This is about 10 years later. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And you know the story. Hagar, she, she gave uh, Hagar to Abraham as his wife. So Hagar went in with Abraham. Abraham uh, impregnated her and she conceived a son, Ishmael. Now here again, <laughs> Ishmael, they decided, man, it's gone on long enough. And this is another thing that disappoints us when we learn, when we've been honed in on just the acts of God. When God comes and speaks and does something sovereignly, says that this is what I want to do, and it doesn't happen right away, we get discouraged. I've seen so many people discouraged and quit because they said, God acted, you know? There was an act of God in this, and it hasn't happened. So it took about 20, this is a 25-year process from the time Abraham was 75 to 100 before Isaac was born. But whenever you're going to go play and be, whenever you give birth to an Ishmael, it's going to create problems. And we've created so many Ishmaels in our life that it's hard for us then to drive the Ishmaels out. So when that voice within, which connects to the invisible supply, which connects to the Isaac, when 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 that voice speaks, I, I want to I tell you the fruit will appear. But the way the fruit's going to appear is the most effective way is when you don't depend on the act is when you begin to encounter his way. And so finally, the final act is in Genesis chapter 21, the first two verses. It says, uh, it, it says that Sarah, who was barren, became pregnant and gave Abraham a son. So it went all the way from chapter 12 to verse 21. And like I said, that's 25 years. You can read it in a relatively short amount of time, but we forget how, how slow this process was. Now, when we come over into Romans chapter 4, Paul takes a little bit different approach with Abraham. In, in Romans chapter 4, uh, he looks at it more from Abraham learning the ways of God. And I like this. So let me read verses 17 to 21. This is about Abraham. And I'm trying to draw a parallel today for you and for me as to maybe how we've been, which is Genesis 12. And now this is how we want to become and what he's transitioning us to in the new covenant in Romans chapter 4. I want you to stay with me today. I might run just a little longer than normal. Is that all right? What shall we say then? Verse, verse, uh, verse uh, 17. Let me come down to verse 17, try to shorten this up a little bit. Verse 17, as it is written, God says, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations in the presence of whom Abraham believed. This was God who gives life to the dead and calls things which are not as though they did appear. Who contrary to hope, Abraham, believed in hope so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken to him, so shall your descendants be. 
And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Man, this is amazing. Nor the deadness of Sarah's room. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, there's an entirely different light on that passage than what we read in Genesis. In Genesis, it's it's kind of like Abraham's just waiting for one act of God to the next act of God, where in, in Romans chapter 4, it's bringing Abraham more into the presence of God and Abraham learning the faithfulness of God, learning that God uh, is get, has given him a way for this to transpire. And verse 21 of Romans 4 says that nothing can stop it. So in, in those four or five verses, and you come back to Romans 4 and read the whole background on this, but... Uh, it, it gives us more of the idea that Abraham learned the process. He learned that the God that had begun a good work would also finish it and that he didn't consider his body. Well, he, in the Genesis account, he sure as heck did consider his body. That's why, uh, you know, he, he tried to go plan B. He wasn't able to impregnate Sarah. He, he didn't know, you know, what was going on there. So he, 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 just figured he had to do it on his own. Um, and not considering your body's a hard one. That's a hard one. You're waiting on the act of God to do something because you can't do it yourself. But God's teaching us his ways. He, he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider his mind, uh, trying to keep awareness on the promises. Um, he, he wasn't aware of the time factor. Um, you know, it's long enough. It's, a, it's been a game changer. But verse 21 tells us, from Paul's point of view, that Abraham kept his consciousness and his focus on God, and that God then renewed his mind. He was not weak in faith, and, and he was able to see through this process, the way of God to the culmination of Isaac being born. Now, he wasn't weak in faith. Let me just let me just your idea about faith. Faith is not something we do to persuade God. Faith is what happens when we realize that God is fully persuaded about us. It says in verse 21 that he was fully convinced that the God who had promised it was able to deliver it. All right, look, I know we're 42 minutes in right now. I want you to hear this. When God calls you something, he called Abraham a father of many nations, said all the, all the nations of the earth would be blessed in you. He called Abraham that. When God calls you something, that is what you are. When God calls you a son, when God calls you a manifested son, when God says he's well pleased in you, when God says you're righteous, when God says you're justified, that's who you are, even if there's no evidence that it's visible at that time. Visible, the visibility is just proof or fruit of what has been developed in the invisible or in the internal. Because the invisible supply from the one power is doing all the heavy lifting. And what you and I are is we're coming and coming alongside and we're co-creating it with him. So renewing your mind is, is seeing what is visible as natural. And it presents itself and things that presents itself as an opposing power, your mind, your memory, your where all the things that Abraham faced, you give them no place. You give them no place. So we're transforming our minds. We're renewing our minds. We're, we're not becoming uh, new men. We're putting on the new man. We're not becoming, we're just becoming aware of what we've always been.
That's, that's what's going on. See, a caterpillar does not become a butterfly. A caterpillar is a butterfly, it's just in a different form. So when you put on the new man, you're beginning to learn the ways of God and you're awakening to the things that have always been there. So renewing your mind moves you from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Can you understand that? It moves you from being dependent on the acts of God to where now you're maturing and you begin to understand the ways of God and you understand how God begins to produce through his ways. So how does a renewed mind look? How does a renewed mind look? Can, can we get a measure on how much our mind is renewed? Um, if we're going to flip, if we're going to shift from acts to ways, then the mind has got to be renewed. And there are going to have to be some things that we abandon that maybe we've held on to. Is there a measure? Is there a way? I, I want to help you with this. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we can know the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God, the 30, 60, 100 fold, right? So it depends on how much our mind is being renewed. So let me help you this morning. I'm going to give you five things, five things that I want you to grade yourself on, on how well you are in your progression of renewing your mind. Now, this is what leads us to the ways of God. It, it pulls us out of the acts into the ways. Are you ready? I, I could do a whole teaching on these five, but you guys at the Digital Cathedral, are you catch on quick. You're smarter than the average bear. So I'm just going to hit them, and I want you to grade yourself 1 to 10. Now, there's no condemnation in this. All right? You don't have to be a 10 on everything. You probably aren't. But here's, here's five big things that I think will help us to see maybe where God's still working in us to bring us into his way, into his way. Because that's what I'm determined. I'm, I'm, I'm determined to get a people that no longer depend on these, these sovereign acts of God where it gives rise to a, a, a ecstasy, disappointment, depression, ecstasy. We have to level our life out. The way we level out, Jesus was one smooth man. He was a smooth dude. It's because he learned to live in the ways of the Father without begging for God to come act for him. Do something extraordinary. All right, one to 10. One means I'm, I, I got a long way to go. 10 means I got this one handled. I'm perfect in it. Or you're somewhere in between. All right, let me just give you five things. Number one is this. This will help you understand how, where you're at in the track of getting your mind renewed so that you can enter into learning the ways of God. Because without these, it's going to be tough. Are you released from material concerns? Are you totally released from material concerns? Are, are, are you one of them say, I'd sure like to give generously. I'd like to help other people, but I don't give. I don't help because I'm afraid I won't have enough for myself. See, you don't, we don't understand supply. God's ways takes us into supply. We don't understand. You are hooked into, you are hooked into an unlimited supply. He hasn't given you just... Uh, a checkbook with so much in the account, that's acts. God doesn't act and says, I'm giving you a checkbook with $1,000 in it. The supply says you have access to the vault and everything that's in the bank. It's an unlimited supply. So between one and 10, how released are you from material concerns? How, how uh, is he able to show you his, his way where you can tap into an unlimited supply. So you can't, you can't learn his way of unlimited supply if you're still concerned that you're gonna run short. We have to come out of that, All right? Number two, 
How released are you from fear of all types? Perfect love casts out fear. Fear and love cannot exist in the same house. How fearful are you? See, I'm going to tell you about fear. Fear is an indication of selfishness. Did you know that? The reason I'm, I'm fearful of something is because I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm fearful to get on a roller coaster because I'm afraid of what might happen to me. I'm afraid to take a cruise on a ship because I get out there in the middle of the water. I'm out of control. I don't know what's going to happen to me. So I'm not going on a cruise because I'm afraid of what might happen. What I'm saying is I'm, I'm afraid about me. Now, what's going to bring you liberty in this is get you off your hands and put you onto the hands of the one that has total ability to guide your life in, in every circumstance, every form, without, without any hesitation. How, how free are you from fear of any kind? If you're a number five or number six, then know that there are probably going to be circumstances that the Father allows that's going to stretch you in this area of fear or supply, finances, because he wants, he's trying to reveal his ways to us, but he can't reveal the ways till we have a renewed mind. All right, number three, how released from doubts are you? Are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded of who you are, of your identity, of your position, of what the Father says about you? Um, are you still lacking confidence in the one who started a good work in you that he has the ability to finish? Or are you like Abraham in Genesis where he started a good work in you, but now you feel like you got to help him finish it and you're going to give birth to some Ishmael's? Or are you the, the Romans account where you don't consider these things? You just know that the one that started it, verse 21, is able to finish it. You have absolute complete confidence that he will bring it to pass. See, listen, you may doubt you. You may doubt you, but there is one that you can trust who will never doubt you. The father never doubts you. That's why he calls you beloved son. Never doubts you. He's not looking at what you do. He doesn't, he doesn't trust you based on your behavior. He trusts you based on who you be, which is a son. So he just wants you to come to a place where you're released from doubts and you're fully, you're fully reliant and you've let go and you've put yourself on his hands. All right, number four. Number four, you ready? A renewed mind is released from anxiety, stress, and tension. Are you released from anxiety, stress, and tension? Have you tapped into perfect peace? Have you been able to get your mind stayed on him? You know what the Bible says. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed fixed, unmovable on him. That's where the focus is. That's where the awareness is. You say, well, what, what do I do with when I'm feeling? The reason you feel anxious and stressful, and man, I've got to, I can't preach this, I can't, I can't teach this one, we got to get done. But the reason that you're stressful, reason that you're anxious or feel under tension is because something has your focus. And the way you, you get out of that is to turn your back on it and don't give it a place. Don't look at it. Get your mind stayed on peace. Get your mind fixed on what he wants you to do. All right, number five. Are you released from, from death and the fear of death? That's the big one. One to 10. How released are you from the fear of death? Of, of wondering, being fearful about death. See, see you, come on, guys, we've developed. Real life is spirit. 
Real life is invisible. Spirit life, the, the, the life in you is eternal. It's never going to die. Jesus told us that. Those that live and believe in me, they will never die. They, they will always be connected to life. There's no disconnect there. Jesus, do you believe Jesus defeated death? That death has no power because Jesus defeated it. In fact, in fact, let me just tell you something. I couldn't say this at a church. I'd be kicked out. Death does not exist. What's residing in us now because of the resurrection is eternal life. He's defeated death. Death is history. Death is gone. Is, is your earth suit wearing out? Is that the end of life? Absolutely not. Some are being renewed to this truth. Once you, once you no longer fear death, once you no longer have a fear of death, nobody can control you anymore because that's the ultimate threat. Somebody can take your life. No, they're not. Nobody can take your life. You, you may lay it down, but nobody can take it. Death has no power over you. That enables you to walk fearlessly. These are five things we need to renew our mind to. Released from material oneness, released from fear of all types, released from doubts, released from anxiety, stress, and tension, and released from the fear of death. When, when you hit an eight or seven, eight, nine on these things, I'm going to tell you what. Your consciousness is wide open to learning the ways of God. And as your awareness grows, as your consciousness grows of your oneness with him, all five of these things, the whole thing about learning the ways of God and leaving the acts, learning the ways, all has to do with oneness, union, knowing that you and he walk together and him saying, this is the way I want you to go is this. As you see all things with his eyes and you learn his ways, the transformation is going to continue until Christ is fully formed within you. And you walk this earth as Christ himself. As he is, so are we in this world. i got to stop right there. All right. So the shift today is this. We're shifting from a dependence on his acts to learning his ways. And the process, I can tell you, has already started. You're learning his ways week by week. Stay with me at the Digital Cathedral. It's only going to get better and better and better. Thank you for being with me this morning. I appreciate you spending some Sunday morning investing in yourself, investing in your spiritual development. We'll pick this up on Wednesday night. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday morning on the Digital Cathedral, and we'll take our next step in this journey of maturing as manifested sons. God bless you. We'll see you then.